happens when you put joy, superheroes, and a love of all things good and holy together? You get the Guardians of Virtue podcast, designed for saints who want to fight for the most precious of all gifts of our time, virtue. Join your host, Elisa Lindsay Johnson, that's me, as I discover everyday heroes who all have one thing in common, a desire to fight as Guardians of Virtue for God, freedom, and our families. Let's discover together what it really means to be a guardian of virtue. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Guardians of Virtue podcast. Today, I get to interview Skylar Sorensen who I think is a guardian of the family. If you go online and you find him, he is such a great defender of the definition of family and what it means. And I just wanted to talk to him about that. Uh, Skylar Sorensen grew up in St. George, Utah as the fourth of eight children. He is an active Latter-day Saint, gay and married to his beautiful wife, Amanda, in a mixed orientation marriage. He graduated from BYU with a bachelor's in media arts and has always gravitated toward using creative avenues to promote his beliefs. He created and co-hosts the podcast Sit Down with Sky and Preston, dedicated to defending gospel principles through the lens of LGBTQ issues. The podcast will be switching to Sit Down with Sky Amanda for their new season, where Sky's wife, Amanda, will join him as co-host. Skylar and Amanda have two children. Their first son, Milo, was born in August 2019 at 24 and a half weeks. After a few weeks of battling for his life in the NICU, he passed away in Amanda's arms. After battling with infertility, after Milo's death, their daughter, Remy, was born in January of 2022 and is spoiled beyond belief. They live in Utah County, and Skylar currently works as a video editor for American Heritage Schools, editing videos for an evolving online curriculum for children K-12. through He has a firm belief in the restoration of Christ's church and a strong testimony of Jesus Christ in his role as Savior and Redeemer. He has a deep desire to explain simply the importance of living gospel principles no matter your life circumstances. I was so thrilled to talk to Skylar and to hear his unique perspectives on what it means to be a father, what it means to be a son, what it means to be a husband, and everything that involves um, the family and defending the family. And so I hope you enjoy our talk. Let's do this. Well, Skylar, thank you so much for being willing to join me on the podcast today. Um, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So on the podcast, I interview people who are guardians of a specific virtue. Um, and I really feel like you are a guardian of the family. And I know people might think that's an unusual virtue, if you will. But I think that I think that it definitely meets the criteria of what a virtue means. And so... In the, the Book of Mormon, in Alma, Captain Moroni, he's one of my favorites in all of scriptures, he um, wrote the title of Liberty, and in it he talks about um, guarding their families, their freedoms, and their religion. So in this context, what does it mean to you to be a guardian of the family? Yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate the compliment, because 
that really is a compliment to me um, because it is one of my goals, I guess, in life is to stand up for truth when it's unpopular. And one thing that is increasingly less and less popular, um, that was a weird way to say that, increasingly less popular is just the definition of what a family is and how God ordains it. Right. Um, and that is something that is very near and dear to my heart. And I, I think just, I guess, to give a definition to it, I think it's just someone who is willing to, I guess, first of all, simply put, defend the definition of marriage as as God defines it, um, as someone whose sexuality isn't, I guess, in line with what you would say, um, like a traditional family. Um, I have been able to see the fruits of still aligning myself with what God defines a family as. Um, and I'm not, I'm not here to say that every, um, gay member of the church or someone who identifies as same sex attracted should pursue a marriage to the opposite sex. But I guess it's a testament to me that God is serious when he says that, um, prove me and see basically. And so I know in my life, I've, I've definitely seen the fruits of following the commandments. And for me, that meant, um, you know, pursuing a marriage with my wife and, a temple marriage and having children and it's been so fulfilling. Um, but yeah, I think just someone who up, up, upholds the importance of uh, the family, the reason why God established it this way. Um, we can look at, you know, st- stats of how, um, how much more children succeed when there is a, a mother and a father in the home. And just, I guess, wise that counsel is to um, do everything we can to set our children up for success. And I think one of the greatest um, ways that we can do that is to ensure that they have both a, a father and a mother in the home to rear them and to teach them only things that either a, a man, a father, or a mother can teach them. Yeah. Um, so I I have four children, ages 13 on down to five. And um, and it it is there are certain things or or um certain ways that I can talk to my children about things that my husband can't and vice versa. And like right. he's he's Mr. Fix It guy. And I think that that's kind of a kind of a guy thing, right? And so like if my kids need something to be fixed, they know that they they need to go to dad and not me. <laughs> and and it's it it's amazing that it's uh every time I think about the family and um, what it means, God, it just makes God even more of a genius in my mind because, because of how it works and how it can work. And so yeah. I agree with what you say. Yeah. I mean, there's that, there's that line in the family proclamation that individual circumstances may necessitate adaptation or, and a lot of people look at that and and think that that means essentially that they can take everything in the family proclamation with a grain of salt and just apply the parts of the family proclamation that are the most comfortable to apply. Mm-hmm. But I think that like, you know, while there are different circumstances and while there are nuances in all of this, I think the the goal or what we should strive to is to, I, I guess, create a family structure that that mirrors as closely as possible what the family proclamation teaches. And I think with that in mind, it's, yeah, like you said, it's, there will be differences like some men may be more emotional or more you know um driven by um people rather than things 
But just because there are exceptions, um, that doesn't mean that the divinely established like order to things is completely um, disasse- like com- completely falls apart. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely lost my train of thought, so I won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's me most most days of the week. So oh man, always yep. It's definitely one of my not talents. <laughs> all right so as you've grown up and into adulthood and assumed roles as described in the family proclamation yourself like son husband father and what is an important lesson you've learned in each of those roles it's a great question i um i would say if i guess going chronologically being a son um first of all it, it i guess it put me into a situation where i could practice my role as a protector, as a provider, um, specifically with my mom, I would say. Um, that's kind of a common dynamic where a, a son grows up. If he's you know, luck, lucky enough like I am to have such a good mom, um, you're able to practice that role that you will eventually fulfill as a husband. And I think there is a lot of wisdom, again, in the family structure that allows for things like that to happen. I was able to um, kind of practice what it meant to be a man and to pr- protect, like protect my mom as much as I could, whatever that means. And she, while she was the one providing for me, eventually I think that kind of shifted a little bit to where I was providing, um, not like financially, but I was, um, I guess, learning how to eventually take those skills into my marriage. And I think there's um, a lot of wisdom in that. And then, as I said, like um, I was able to practice that in um, in my childhood as a husband. Now that now I get to implement that, and I get to try my hand at being a protect- protector and a provider. And I will say that a lot of a lot of that has come intuitively, but a lot of it I have had to kind of fight it against my nature in some regards, and um, j- like. Fight, fight things off that make that more difficult um, and pursue, like wholeheartedly pursue my masculinity um, as, you know, someone who I, I do use the label gay. I kind of use it synonymously with same sex attracted. I know some people um, take issue with that label and I completely understand that because there's a lot of baggage that I just wanted to put that out there so I can explain mm-hmm. myself more clearly. But as someone, as a gay member of the church, um, or just like a gay, a gay man in society, there are a lot of a lot of um, boxes that people want to put you in and say, "This is as a gay man. This is what this is how you act, um, or this is what you should like. This is what you should pursue." And part of me gravitated to a, to a lot of those things, um, but part of me was a little bit bitter that um, society was trying to put me into a certain box. And so there's kind of this dynamic where. There are certain aspects of my personality, my character that I um, have fought against, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we're supposed to change and to grow and to learn. Um, But I know that as I've done that, it has been eye-opening just like how intuitive it feels to be a father and a husband and fulfill those roles in a family structure. Um, It's kind of that phrase fake it till you make it sometimes i feel like i'm faking it but as i do so um 
there's just like this might be sound cheesy to say, but like a heavenly endowment of, um, of the skills that I need to fulfill the roles that I have. So it's like, as I put in the effort, um, God helps me become who he knows I can become is a better way of saying that. Absolutely. I, I think that people forget that, that, um, being a parent is not necessarily a natural thing and it's something that we have to learn and, um, definitely baptism by fire. I feel like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So something that I've had to learn over the years, I'm not, um, physical affection is not my love language. I I could be okay with never hugging people or anything like that. Um, my husband, on the other hand, loves holding hands, loves hugging. Um, I have a daughter who, who lives and dies by hugs. And if she doesn't receive a hug from me 10 times each day, then I don't love her. And so... <laughs> And so it, I have to, I ha, I've had to learn how to give that kind of love to these people that I love. And that's, that's part of growing and becoming the type of mother and wife that my family needs. And, um, and I think that's why, I think that's one reason why the family is so important because it provides a, such a great place for us to become charitable and to become the, the people we're meant to be. Yeah. There's kind of a, a growing trend that, fighting against negative aspects of your character is a negative thing. Like when you have something that is out of alignment, especially like from an eternal perspective and looking at things like the family proclamation, if there are things that um, are out of line with that, it's very unpopular to say that you should change, that you should take it upon yourself to make the necessary changes to allow yourself to fulfill that or to yeah fulfill that role so but i think there's wisdom in that and like we are meant to change what there's nothing wrong with a healthy pursuit of growth absolutely i um i feel like people shortchange themselves when they don't give themselves permission to change and become better it's sad but so what is your favorite thing about being a husband and a father i um I just love how much purpose it brings to my life. That's that's probably the biggest one. It's obviously difficult, like some days more difficult than others, but it's that struggle that brings the purpose into my life. Um, there's, I mean, again, again, it's kind of an unpopular thing to say that hard things in life um, are what bring the most fulfillment, but, but it is very much true. And I've I've seen that in my own life and just my wife is so great. She makes me a better man. Um, Not even, I mean, she's not trying to, she's not like trying to fix me or anything, but just how we interact and our dynamics and our love is, um, is something that is, is fulfilling and wonderful and um, makes me happy, but at the same time pushes me to be better and to do better. And so it's this really great dynamic where we better each other while learning how to parent our children. And um, it's, yeah, it, it's, I think, a divinely established system for a reason. It's the best case scenario where we can all learn and grow in ways that we couldn't if we were alone. And, you know, that's not to demean people who don't have the opportunity to find love in this life. You know, I, I know that is hard and that is a reality for people. Um, but there's still an ideal, you know, when, when people don't reach the ideal, I think it's common to 
not talk about the ideal because it will, you know, inevitably hurt some feelings. And it's not that we want to hurt feelings, but we still need to talk about the ideal um, so that it remains the ideal so that more people strive to reach it. Um, Because without an ideal, we're directionless and um, less people reach that level of, of satisfaction in life. Absolutely. So what's something that has surprised you about being a husband or a father? Um, that, how long do you have on that one? <laughs> Give me your top, I don't know, three. <laughs> um, I just, with, with both being a husband and a father, I think especially being a father, it just, just like opens portions of your heart that you didn't know existed before. Mm-hmm. And the, the high points are hundred times higher and the low points are a lo- hundred times lower. You're just, your range of emotion <laughs> increases because the stakes are much higher um but it's just so fun um she just turned one recently Um, watching her learn something new pretty much every day it seems like um it's just incredible to see the divinity with her within her and i guess relate more with my heavenly father and my savior who have a lot of experience in this role um it's just yeah, opened up my heart and <laughs> is a lot of fun. It's hard, but it's it's so worth it. And I'll tell you, um, being on kind of the other side of the spectrum, having a almost fourteen year old, it it gets better. I mean, <laughs> like it keeps getting better. It gets harder, but mm-hmm. it gets better. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot to look forward to. Um, we we always talk about how scared we are to raise teenagers. That's like what we're dreading the most. We're we're really soaking up this time where everything we say is the correct thing and <laughs> they don't have any strong well she does she does have opinions but um we can control her a little bit more than <laughs> a teenager but i'm sure every every stage has its hard its difficulties and its rewards yeah absolutely it does and it you you have days where you want to pull your hair out and you're you think, what am I doing? And then other days where this is the best thing I could have chosen to be for my life. So wonderful. Okay. So President Nelson has taught that our most important identifiers should be child of God, child of the covenant and disciple of Jesus Christ. As a son of God, how does having this knowledge help you in your life and in your family? Well, yeah, that's a, that's another big question just because It has shaped really every aspect of my life. I think a little bit, um, maybe a little bit more so than um, a lot of people, just because with like without the context of the plan of salvation and these different identifiers, um, as I said earlier, there are a lot of different um, directions or not even different directions. Like there's a pretty specific route that a lot of um people would assume or would um subscribe for me if i listen to our culture um <clears throat> i would be kind of like a forever young boy who is amoral and kind of a sexual revolutionary like that kind of route where um i like there's the pride movement the the pride movement for lgbtq people and Different people um, use it for different reasons, and I think some people use it to just express love. Um, but more and more, I think it's becoming a more toxic thing. Um, 
And so I don't really identify with that movement. Um, and because of that, I, I'm seen as kind of a traitor by a lot of people. Um, but like not listening to our culture and instead listening to our prophet who has very clearly laid out these identifiers um, and other leaders of the church who have said s- similar things. It just has like set the direction for my life and in a positive way. Um, a lot of people would say that's um, re- religious brainwashing or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's fine. You can <laughs> you can believe that. But the the amount of satisfaction in my life that has come from living as a child of God and seeing that as my primary identifier. And then, like you said, child of the covenant, covenant, disciple of Jesus Christ. And then all of those additional roles that are are still important, like husband, father, brother. And then at the very bottom would be like characteristics like my sexuality and my eye color and like things that mm-hmm. are important, but not a defining characteristic. And I think that is such a wise um, bit of information to have in our culture who um, the, our culture that does want to put all of or like pers- uh, push this idea that we need to put all of the eggs of our identity into one ba- one basket of whatever it may be our our um, race or gender or sexuality or all of these things that like are important they're not um, they're not small pieces of ourselves but they are I would say orbital is a word that I use sometimes just kind of not core to who we are but um, more just orbital and and don't bring as much fulfillment as those three roles that President Nelson has taught us. Thank you. So you mentioned about, we've talked a lot about how the world views family differently than we do. Um, so um, what do you do to guard yourself and your family against the philosophies of the world in regards to the family? For myself, I would say that I just, I try to do my best to cultivate my online experience to mirror my morals. Um, And I say that knowing that there is a danger in existing primarily in an echo chamber. So you don't want to only ever encounter ideas that mirror yours because Mm -hmm. there is value in seeing what others believe and having productive conversations. Um, With that said, I would say in our situation as members of the church, you don't have to go far to find other opinions. I think it takes more effort to um, to find more traditional uh, media or um, entertainment. Like you have to make more of an effort to find media that mirrors our values, just because that um, chasm between modern society and God's morals that's widening. So it's um, with all of that to say, I I do my best to surround myself with like-minded moral people in every aspect of life, whether it's entertainment or the news or um, whatever it may be. Uh, because because I know like in our situation, the other opinion, it is going to find me. And like I do engage with with all sorts of people. So that's kind of how I keep myself protected and sane. And then as far as our family, uh, my wife, Amanda, and I, We've just talked about, we've talked about this a lot. Um, We don't, uh, as much as possible, we don't want to have our children having access to the internet until they're more ready. And with each child, that might be a little bit different, but we are fully willing to embrace being weirdos if that's what people want to see us as. 
we don't want our children to have um, access to the internet into I think well into their teens when they when their brains are more developed and they're better equipped to handle all of the things that are going to be thrown their way. A lot of people say um, it's important to get them ready and and to have them encounter social media or whatever it may be early on. Um, but again, I think that will like they will have plenty of opportunities to experience that without us giving them direct access. And so we are going to um, limit that for as long as possible while, of course, teaching for the principles and um, allowing opportunities for them to practice skills that will prepare us, prepare them for those things. But it's, it's very important to us that they um, encounter social media and things like that when they are more ready. So that's, that's our game plan. And we are, we're pretty p- passionate about that. Good game plan. <laughs> My almost 14 year old has a Gab wireless phone and I don't think we're changing that anytime soon. <laughs> yes, that's smart. <laughs> and my, uh, it's amazing though, how many, like I have my nine year old that comes home all the time. Mom, can I get a phone? I'm like, no, the kids at school have phones though. I'm like, that's nice. <laughs> it's amazing how young, the, like they're probably mm-hmm. first, second graders that have phones and it blows my mind because. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't think parents realize the danger of them, but um, yeah, and it's important to have that kind of plan in place before your kids start bombarding you with those kind of questions. <laughs> Very much so. It, I don't think it's a good idea when, I mean, even even an older teenager, it's social media is not ideal, but at the very least when they're, when they are in the very early stages of their development after, you know, around puberty, especially, I just think it's, um, I, I don't think it's a good idea to give them this tool that allows them to access any information or anything that they want. Like that's too much. I think that's too much power for um, a little mind that is still developing and who doesn't know how to safely navigate these really complex systems and communities. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of adults don't know how to do that either. So I mean, me included. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, there's a reason why, you know, there's the social media fast and whatnot. So yes, but I guess that's something we can practice as parents to be good examples to our children. <laughs> and that's right. another way to, to guard our families. Um, so I saw that you're a filmmaker. Is that right? Or you're in the film industry? Yeah, I'm a video editor for a private school called American Heritage School. We're making like an online um, learning platform for students. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, so have you um, experienced any challenges in your line of work re- in regards to like defending the family or anything like that? Probably not at a school. Yeah, I've been I've been pretty fortunate to um, I mean, I guess maybe not fortunate is the right word. I've made a concerted effort to um, get into the field in like involve myself with a company that is very aligned with my values. That was a very intentional decision. Um, just because I don't, I, I don't really want to be involved or surrounded in an industry that I think um, is slowly declining in their morals. Like the, I, I, I'm not saying that's the wrong choice for everyone. I think there's there's value in having um, members of the church or just decent moral people in every part of life. I just wasn't personally interested in being involved with that. So I'm very fortunate to have a job that supports me 
Um, I, I have talked about my podcast with um, my managers and they've listened to it and love it. And um, I've talked about my upcoming book and they are very excited. And it's, so they're very supportive um, and very, it is, it's a private school that's not run by the church, but it is, we do teach LDS values in our curriculum. So it's, um, I'm very fortunate in that regard. Awesome. Okay. So now that you are a husband and a father, what is some important advice you would have given yourself as a youth about strengthening your family? Yeah. Um, not, not to get too, um, self pluggy here, but I just talking about my book, the title, um, well, you know, I haven't, I haven't announced that yet. Maybe I shouldn't, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but my title has to do with this idea, um, that, we shouldn't, um, it's, it, my book is advice to gay members of the church and then also, um, other members of the church of how to support their, um, gay family members without enabling a faith crisis. Okay. But the, the main premise of the book is that we shouldn't exclude ourselves as, as anyone in the church from any aspects or blessings of the gospel, just because we have XYZ experience. Um, that doesn't mean that we can't pursue the gospel um, in a wholehearted manner. So that would be my, I think, main piece of advice is just don't exclude yourself from any of the blessings of mortality. Don't see yourself as any, as like significantly different than anyone else. We all are unique and have different strengths and weaknesses, but um, you are not excluded from the blessings of the gospel, no matter who you are and no matter what your experience is. And I think that would be the most helpful piece of advice for me um at that like as an at an earlier age yeah i um in high school i had a a friend fellow member of the church who told me once that he um didn't pray to my father because he didn't feel like he was worthy to because of choices he had made or whatever and and it, it just made me feel so sad because regardless of the choices we've made or regardless of um who we are or, or anything like that, we're worthy of, of everything that the gospel offers and everything that Heavenly Father offers. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. What are some tips you'd give to someone who wants to be a better guardian of the family or maybe who doesn't understand why being a guardian of this is important? I would say, first of all, just um, what I said earlier, just to find yourself positive role models or surround yourself with people who are going to help you live your values because whether we like it or not, we are products of our environment. And so it is important to surround yourself with people who um, help you become the person that you want to be, that God wants you to be. Um, Another thing is just to find a way to let accusations of bigotry just kind of roll off your back Mm -hmm. because those will come frequently. And um, they're just... Unless you're you're intentionally being rude or or things like that, they're they're not founded in any sort of reality aside from just their opinion. And a lot of you know people can have their opinions based on a small snippet of of your life, and um, that's on them. And so I'm not. I mean, I'm not perfect at that. I have worked to not care what people think so much because. Um, I've had a lot of experience dealing with people who have very strong opinions about my marriage and about my situation and feel very justified in telling me very openly 
and very directly what those opinions are. <laughs> and so I've just had to kind of let that roll off my back as much as possible and just kind of laugh it off. And when you are able to do that, the power of those words diminishes. So that and then the third piece of advice I would give is just to learn how to balance um, grace and truth in your efforts. Because so often when we are trying to pursue truth, we kind of go gung-ho and we forget that people are sometimes fragile or sometimes in situations where hard truth may be difficult to hear and we don't lend any sort of compassion and so it's just lost and and they um, we become a stumbling block for them to access the Savior rather than um, a stepping stool. So I would say don't do that. But then on the other hand, when we want to offer grace or when we have a lot of compassion, sometimes it's a little bit short-sighted and we forget the importance of truth. And so we focus too much on the, I'd say, immediate comfort or um, yeah, immediate comfort of people around us. And so we stop advocating for truth because sometimes the truth does hurt. Um, so it's, it's an important balance to find and it's sometimes difficult in practice, but it's, I think, really important. And one of the, I think one of the greatest challenges of our generation is going to be to learn how to balance those two things because you can't have one without the other and effectively advocate for truth. You have to have both. I love that. Yeah, it's important to have both. Um, and also, I, I had the thought um, when you mentioned grace, to have grace for yourself too. Um, yeah. As you're seeking truth and as you're trying to become the the best you can be. I know people and I've been that kind of person before that um, just feels like giving up or stop stopping trying because I made a mistake. Right. And, and um, that's not the end of it. Grace, Heavenly Father, Jesus is there for a reason, right? Like he did what he did so that we can, we can become our best selves. Yeah. How has your, I guess we've talked about this a lot already, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, how has your testimony of eternal life or eternal families helped you in your life? I, I would say again, it's kind of kind of like the um the role the roles that our, our prophets have taught us are the most important or the identifiers, I guess. Um my testimony of eternal families has just shaped every aspect of my life. Without it, I I personally would be living in a very different way. Um and I'm not I'm not here to say that I would wouldn't find any happiness or I would be completely miserable because I don't think that is true. But living, I mean, the gospel allows us to live on a higher plane, I would say, and allows us to, I don't know, just have, I think the the answer to the three questions of the soul, the where do we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? I think the answer or having the answer to those is completely underrated in our our society. Just like we it's hard to overstate excuse me it's hard to overstate how important it is to have the answer to those questions and we don't have every answer but we at least have an understanding that we came from somewhere with meaning and purpose we are here for a reason um and we have a solid understanding of where we're going and and what um what we need to do to get there and I think having the answers to those questions um, really brings a lot of peace, a lot of direction and purpose to your life that you can't find anywhere else. Um, so it's just, yeah, given me a purpose and um, 
I guess, allowed me to wholeheartedly pursue all of the things, all of the roles in my life that bring so much joy to me because there are high stakes, but at the same time, high rewards for all of these things. And I've seen that personally in my life. Yeah. And I'll piggyback off of all of that and say that um, I think that there's, it's, it's beyond happiness, the, the eternal families, family in general, there's, we get to experience an exquisite joy more often than I think we would if we didn't have that. We didn't have eternal families, if we didn't have the knowledge of that, if we didn't have the experience of being in a family or loving other people. Yeah, very much so. I ask the same two questions at the end of every episode. Um, The first one being the Savior is the ultimate example. And so um, what in his life, what um, story or experience did he have where he was where you see that he was an example of being a guardian of the family. Yeah, that's um he he definitely is uh the the prime example of a guardian of the family. I would say I was I was thinking about this one and not necessarily I guess a story, but when he came to the American continent in the Book of Mormon, um I believe it was the one of one of the first things he did was to call the children to come unto him and to minister and love the children. And I think that's a really great example to me, just how interested he was in the most vulnerable um, population, which is children. You know, they're so helpless and so pure. Um, And it's just an example to me that he would spend time with them. And in a lot of the analogies he used while teaching, he, you know, he, he told us that we should become like children in different ways, how selfless they are and how trusting and all of the good qualities of children that you tend to lose when you're an adult and think you know more. Um, It's good to hold on to certain aspects of childhood. And I I just think, I I just love how um, involved and and how um, specific he was to include children in his ministry and shows me that he values the family and and wants to... um, exemplify for us how to raise children and, and how to be a family. That example of ministering to children, I've been in primary a lot of my adult life. And um, and it's not until recently, I guess I was in the cloud of being a mother of young children and had a hard time seeing past that. But um, children are a massive blessing. And, and uh, so seeing him give such special attention to to them, teaches me how I need to be better with my own children and the children I serve at church. Um, They are so special and they do have qualities and um, things I agree that we lose when we become adults. And and if we try to be more like them, we'll be happier too. Like we'll experience more joy. Yeah. And, and just on the topic of children and and what I've learned, um, I, this is kind of a, a can of worms that we don't have to go into too much. But <laughs> part of our story is we we had a son who was born at 24 and a half weeks and mm-hmm. he was a pound and a half um, and lived in the NICU for about 24 days and then passed away of an infection. Oh. And just from that experience, obviously heart-wrenching and yeah. uh, learning experience. But one of 
one of the positive things that we've tried to, because, you know, if you focus on the negative, it will, it'll destroy you. And there have been some hard moments and mm -hmm. the pain doesn't truly go away. You just kind of learn how to, how to deal with it. But right. one thing that one positive thing that we have learned um, that, or that uh, Milo is his name mm -hmm. that he taught us is just to have a better understanding of who our savior is and was for us. There are just so many parallels in his life um, that helped me personally to come closer to my savior. One being he was the firstborn son. He was our, our first son and um, he played that role. And then the other was he, um, it, after after his death um we learned uh, why he was born early um ba basically my wife's cervix isn't strong enough to hold a baby full term so we learned because of him and because of his sacrifice we learned what we need to do to get um our our future children here and that's how we got our little remy here our daughter and so in that way he sacrificed himself for his siblings and <laughs> I think that's really that's a that beautiful really way to poignant. Think about that. Yeah. It's um the more I've thought about it, the more um I just break down in tears because of how poignant it is and, and how um pointed of a of like a parallel to the savior. And so that's been very helpful for us and just another way of how our children, even when they're not here. Um, have helped us and um, in more ways than we can count. So I just wanted to put in a little plug for Milo because I like talking about him. So <laughs> absolutely, I love his name too. That's an awesome. Thank you. Name. Yeah, my wife picked that. She, I, I have to be honest, I didn't love it at first. Um, <laughs> obviously, I do now, but because it has a lot of meaning. <laughs> but yeah, he's um he he's a, he's a cutie. Yeah, and you have a guardian angel for you guys always now. We do. That's awesome. Okay. So last question, if you could pick someone past or present, um, who you think is a guardian of the family, why? Like who would you pick and why? <laughs> um, this might be a generic or a cop-out answer, but I'm just going to say uh, my mom because she, she has taught me um, so much about virtue and um, how important it is to be virtuous and be very, um, intentional and and strict with um what you involve yourself with because that will inevitably um decrease or increase your virtue so she just has like such a visceral reaction to unvirtuous things uh -huh. um like media and things especially she 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 doesn't really like a lot of popular media uh -huh. uh, and i'm very much the opposite i probably err too much on the side of watching things that I shouldn't. Um, but I, I think there's a balance to be struck there, but I've learned a lot from her, just her reaction to unvirtuous things has taught me a lot. She also uh, has a very strong reaction to injustice of her family. It used to kind of embarrass me, but like <laughs> the only times that I ever saw her, um, animated or like mad to some extent was when she was <laughs> dealing with people who um was en enacting some sort of perceived injustice to our family so whether it was like somebody on the other end of the call about a bill um, <laughs> 
the thing that I, I love about her is I know that the reason she would get upset or like have this reaction was because she wanted the best financially for her children. Mm-hmm. So I know that like everything she does is motivated by um, a love for her children. So I just love that she's taught me to just reject the world's standard of of virtue and be unapologetic about that. Like there are a lot of just wrong ideas out there and it's okay to just reject them. And she has taught me how to love my savior and prioritize the right things in life. And she's been um, an example to me and has lived that out in her own life. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to say my mom and give her that little shout out, I guess. <laughs> I don't think that's a cop out answer at all. I think that's very appropriate for our discussion. And um, the story that always comes to my mind when I we when I talk about mothers or family is from the Book of Mormon, the army of human. Mm. Um, yeah, they they were willing to fight because of the testimonies of their mother, the, of their mm-hmm. moms. Like it specifically talks about that, and um, and and they knew they'd be okay because their moms knew it. Yeah, moms knew the gospel. So the fact that 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 how you feel about your mom is pretty amazing and i love it yeah i I'm, i mentioned earlier just how like when you're a, a son growing up you you play that role and learn how to be a protector and so there's a very special place in my heart for my mom and um don't tell her enough that i love her but i do <laughs> i love it moms are the best <laughs> they are they're great yeah so, well, Skylar, thank you so much for doing this and for being on the podcast and talking to me about your mom and your family and what Absolutely. It means to guard the family. It's it's an important topic and it's an important thing for us to do to guard the family against the world because it's only, you know, it's not going to get better. <laughs> and so Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, so uh so we need people like you and and who are willing to do that. And so thank you for your example. And thank you. Thank you for having me on. I enjoyed our conversation and can't wait for it to come out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the guardians of virtue podcast. Please don't forget to give us a follow. And if you have time, please leave a review. Peace out dudes.